Welcome to the Black Tokyo Podcast. Since 1999, first in Japan. This is episode five, and I'm going to talk to you about meditation and implicit bias. I recently read an article in Yoga Journal, March, April 2020 edition, where it talked about happiness at every age. One particular article that stood out, the neuroscience of presence, being in a moment helps your brain stay sharp as you age, really resonated with me. Written by Anne Swanson, the author of Science of Yoga, your brain is capable of naturally creating key chemicals that pharmaceutical companies synthesize in a lab. For example, serotonin helps regulate mood, social behavior, appetite, sleep, memory, and more. Some antidepressants work by increasing the usable levels of serotonin in your brain. Now, meditation has also been shown to increase serotonin levels without the side effects, making it a very promising complementary therapy. So the author goes on to explain that humans possess a unique superpower among those in the animal kingdom, the ability to evaluate the past and plan for the future. But she says this comes at an emotional cost. Regret and worry both often the result of not being in the moment. You see, research shows that the more time you spend daydreaming, not being present, the less happy you're likely to be. In fact, it says humans devote about 47% of their waking hours to mentally time traveling. Fortunately, you can develop present moment awareness through meditation. She further says that recent advances in two key scientific areas of study, neuroimaging and neurochemistry, allows us to see the measurable brain changes that result from meditation and lead to improved cognition and mood. Researchers can now see the long-term effects of practicing meditation on neuroplasticity, which is the ability of the brain to form new connections, especially in response to learning or experiencing something new. You see, just as exercise develops your muscles, practicing presence through meditation strengthens neuroplasticity. You see in yoga, meditation, asana, and pranayama stimulate your brain, which helps prevent atrophy and functional decline. Positive effects have been seen in long-time meditators who practice for as little as 10 minutes a day. Meditation seems to slow the natural reduction of brain tissue that comes with aging and improved cognition and memory. Now, Harvard researcher Sarah Lazar found that 40 to 50-year-old meditators have key brain structures similar to those of non-meditators in their 20s. Gray matter increases in the prefrontal cortex, improving focus, problem solving, and emotion regulation. The limbic system, which is a complex network of the brain responsible for behavior, emotions, and survival instincts, is also altered with meditation. The hippocampus thickens, which boosts working memory and keeps you anchored in the present. Meanwhile, activity decreases in the amygdala, lessening the brain's fear response. So, is being in the moment healthy? Does meditation help? Meditation literally changes your neural configurations. Research suggests that meditation, effective as an adjunct therapy for depression, anxiety, trauma, chronic pain, cancer, heart disease, and more. Better yet, it can help prevent many issues before they start, 
Meditation cultivates the neurobiology of optimal health and resilience. So there's a reason this practice has stood the test of time and why there's been an exponential growth of research on meditation in the past few decades. It works. Blacks here in Japan don't face some of the same issues as they do in America. People have a deep-seated bias of which they are completely unaware, known as implicit bias. And these hidden attitudes influence the way we act towards each other, often with unintended discriminatory consequences. So making people aware of their implicit bias doesn't usually change minds. The implicit association tests measure how fast and accurately people associate different social groups with qualities like good and bad. They have developed versions of the test to measure things such as unconscious attitudes about race, gender, stereotypes, and bias against older people. Greenwald's work has shown how much implicit bias can shape social behavior and decision-making. Even those with the best intentions are influenced by these hidden attitudes, behaving in ways that can create disparities, for example, in hiring practices, student evaluations, law enforcement, criminal proceedings, pretty much anywhere people are making decisions that affect others. Today, implicit bias is widely understood to be a cause of unintended discrimination that leads to racial, ethnic, social, economic, and other inequalities. Now, the best theory of how implicit biases work is that it shapes conscious thought, which in turn guides judgment and decisions. So how does one counter the disparities that implicit biases can produce? Well, that particular implicit bias, the one involving black, white, race, shows up in about 70% to 75% of all Americans who try to test. It shows up more strongly in white Americans and Asian Americans than in mixed race or African Americans. African Americans, you might think, might show just the reverse effect, that it would be easy for them to put African American together with pleasant and white American together with unpleasant. But no, African Americans show on average neither direction of bias on that task. Most people have multiple implicit biases that they aren't even aware of. It is much more widespread than is generally assumed. Now, ABC News correspondent Pierre Thomas expressed the sentiment that black people feel like they're being treated as suspects first and citizens second. And I agree with that. Because when a black person does something that is open to alternative interpretations, like reaching into a pocket or a car's glove compartment, many people, not just police officers, may think first that it's possibly dangerous. But that wouldn't happen in viewing a white person doing exactly the same thing. The implications of conscious judgment being shaped in this way by an automatic, implicit process of which the perceiver is unaware can assume great importance in outcomes of interactions with police. Greenwald thinks that the mechanisms by which our brains form associations and acquire them from the cultural environment evolved over long periods of time, during which people lived in an environment that was consistent. They were not actually likely to acquire something that they would later have to unlearn because the environment wasn't going to change so there may have been no evolutionary pressure for the human brain to develop a method of unlearning the associations. He further states that he doesn't know 
why we have not succeeded in developing effective techniques to reduce implicit biases as they are measured by the implicit association test. Hey, that concludes our episode. Thank you for listening. And be sure to tune in next time where you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, and other platforms where podcasts can be heard. Please feel free to share your comments, suggestions, and even rants. And if you're so inclined, please follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Black Tokyo.